Let us pray. O gracious God, anoint my lips. Anoint our ears. Govern my words. Guide my thoughts. Speak to us now, O precious God. May your words come to life in our hearts. Lead me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit for your people and draw them closer to you this morning through your Spirit. We pray to a living God, the one and only God, and through his Son, Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I hope that you are all well, safe, and healthy wherever you may be this morning. Today I read the Gospel of St. Mark. Uh, if you noticed, uh, our dear Father Steve preached on this last week. And uh, we were all blessed by those words of what it means for Jesus to have authority and for people to be astonished and amazed by that authority. But this Sunday, what I want to do is I want to read to you another gospel text. I want to read to you Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, because next Sunday is actually Mission Sunday, and knowing that today would be our annual meeting where we kind of set the tone and the stage for the coming year, I thought it would be appropriate to preach on this gospel text because I believe this should be the theme and the momentum we carry from this point on. And so I want to read to you this morning the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In the 1940s, the United Ship Line proposed to build a new ship that they would call the SS United States. This project was going to cost somewhere nearly $80 million, a great sum of money. And it was going to be the largest ship made in the United States and the fastest in the world. The United States government heard of these plans 
and decided to invest $50 million to create, to build this ship. It was their idea and plan that this ship would then be a troop carrier to carry thousands of soldiers in the event that there one day would be another war. This on the heels of World War II. In 1952, the SS United States finally set sail. But it never set sail as a troop carrier. In fact, it set sail with the plans of the transatlantic liner that traveled and carried out many, many trips and broke all sorts of records. And those records stand to, the, to this day. But it was never used as a troop carrier. It made history instead as a luxury liner. that created, that, that catered to wealthy patrons. It finally had its last customers in 1969, and since 1996, it's been docked at Pier 82 on the Delaware River in Philadelphia. And in the preceding years, it's been sold and bought by different people, and no one knows what to do with this great ship. Brothers and sisters, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, is a simple reminder to us that the church is a troop carrier and not a luxury liner. The church is a spiritual war vessel and not a tourist attraction. We are on mission for Jesus Christ. And the last command of Jesus Christ must remain the first priority of the church. The last command of Jesus Christ must remain the first priority for the church of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a quick summary of what we just read in Matthew 28. By the time you get to this last paragraph, what you have missed in the reading is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And... All that has taken place, and all that's left in Matthew's gospel is Jesus reuniting with his disciples. And here you have a summary report of that reunion on the hills of Galilee somewhere. And there you have Jesus approaching his disciples, making a claim, and his disciples worshiping him. And after they worship him, Jesus 
commissions them with what's commonly known to us as the Great Commission. But I want you to notice something here. Between those five verses, there is great tension between verses 16 and 17 and verses 18 through 20. Picture the scene, if you will. The disciples are waiting at some undescript but pre-appointed Galilean hillside when they see the resurrected Jesus approaching them. But in verse 17, notice how Matthew has told us that some worshipped while others doubted. Yet despite that some people doubted, Jesus continues with his words and commission for the world to be changed by these men. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a great way to start a worldwide movement. Think about that. There are some there who are doubting, and yet Jesus continues to entrust them with this great responsibility to go out and make disciples of all nations. What that teaches us here is that Jesus finds in weak, doubtful, sinful people still enough to use them as his messengers, as his witnesses, as his heralds of the good news. And that includes us today. That God would still use us, weak, doubtful, sinful, infallible, forgive me, fallible people, to go out to be his messengers, to go out to be his witnesses, to go out to be his heralds of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about, folks. That's why we gather week after week, year after year, in church, and we are the church because we have a mission. We are called to be a people, to be the mouth, the hands, and feet of Christ to every generation. That's who we are. And I would hope that we would continue what St. David's has already done thus far, is continue to preach and reach all of God's people, to reach the lost with this good news. We might not have all the understanding how God can use us, how God can manifest himself in this year, but obedience precedes understanding when God says go we go obedience precedes understanding remember these men did not have money no programs no building yet these men were able to change the world he started with 12 he ended with 11 so success is not tied to numbers. It's tied to faithfulness, to obedience. 
The early, the, early, the early church took his mission so seriously that when you get to Acts chapter 17, verse 6, when the disciples come into the city of Thessalonica, the locals there say, yes, those men who have turned the world upside down have been here too. Well, friends, I declare to you this morning that the gospel of Jesus Christ still has the ability to turn the world upside down. And Christ still wants to use fallible, weak, doubtful, sinful people to share his good news with the world. But we must be a people on mission. That must be our goal. That must be our objective to continue to preach and reach the lost. We must not lose sight of what the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to be and to do. We must ensure that in our generation, the Great Commission does not, I repeat, does not become the Great Omission. But what does it mean to be on mission for Jesus Christ? First and foremost, believe in the claim that Jesus makes. Believe in the claim that Jesus makes. The Great Commission begins on verse 18 with a bold declaration of the sovereign authority of Jesus Christ. But for the record, verse 18 is not a commission. No, it's a claim. If verse 18 is not true, verses 19 and 20 are meaningless. The great, the great Commission begins with the declaration of Jesus having all authority in heaven and on earth. If that claim is not true, everything that follows is meaningless. Jesus declares that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus indeed has all power. We've seen that throughout his ministry. But here he says something different than power. He says all authority has been given to me. And there's a radical difference between power and authority. Power is the ability to get things done. Authority is given jurisdiction and the legal right to execute that power. And that's what Jesus is claiming here. Not just omnipotent power, no, but sovereign authority. In the sports world, an athlete can have the power to run the ball down the field or to dribble the ball up the court. But the referee has 
the authority. The, the referee can stop the game whenever he or she feels necessary. The referee can suspend a player. The referee has all authority and jurisdiction over the game. The player might have many fans. The player might have a lot of money. The player might have all sorts of power. All the referee needs is a whistle. And with that whistle, the referee has authority. And that authority of the referee in the sports world is, is this way that we should see Jesus has authority over the universe. No ruling, no protest, no commissioner, commissioner has any jurisdiction over the authority of Jesus. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Notice the scope of this authority. With one word, all. He doesn't have some. He has all authority. Suffice to say, if Jesus has all authority, no one has any. If Jesus has all authority, no one has any. And notice the sphere of his authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And heaven here is more than just heavenly bodies. No. It's about spiritual beings. Michael and the army of angels, Satan and the army of demons must submit to the authority of Jesus. And on earth, this is more than land and sea. It means people. He has authority over people, all people, regardless of our race, our location, our status, our background, our ethnicity, our religion. Jesus has all authority over everyone. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come upon his disciples and that they would be witnesses in all of Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that there is Jesus saying, you will be my people and my authority will guide you all over the entire world. And this is one of the greatest Christological statements in the New Testament. You can't read this and have any sort of misconception about the person of Jesus. You can't walk away with this and say, well, he, must be a, he might be a prophet. No. Either he's a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. And our mission in the world begins by simply believing in this claim that all authority has been given to Jesus. And it's, it's easy to forget that. It's easy to lose sight of what that means. No, Jesus has all authority, the entire scope of the universe. There isn't any individual, party, movement, 
group, technology, place, concept, mechanism, project that has any authority over Jesus. His word has the heaviest weight. Jesus is Lord of all. Our Heavenly Father has given him power of, power of attorney to execute divine sovereignty at his personal discretion. The Father has given Jesus all of that authority. As one writer once said, there is not one square inch in the entire human existence which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not declare mine. Do not question the claim of Jesus based on what you see or hear or read in the breaking news. The proof that the claim is true is the sheer fact that he's making the claim after he conquered the grave. Read the previous chapters. Jesus was betrayed, arrested, tried, convicted, executed, crucified, but then God raised him from the dead, and the resurrected Jesus declares, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who else can say that? Who else has been able to undergo so much and conquer so much? That person has all authority. No one else. And Matthew 28, in fact, is a declaration of war against the enemies of Christ. Every eye will behold him one day. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The first and most pressing question, therefore, with this reading, is a personal one. How are things today between you and the Lord Jesus? Between me and the Lord Jesus? We must believe in the claim, but secondly, we must obey the commission. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a follower. Uh, a disciple would follow a rabbi wherever they went, and eventually he would mimic him and shadow him and be an extension of him wherever he was. And this is the assignment of the church. We are called to reach lost people to repent of their sins, to run to the cross, and trust in the blood and righteousness of Christ for salvation. That is the call, my dear brothers and sisters. That is the mission. And to follow Jesus as Lord for their lives. This is not a call for a select few. No. This is for 
all disciples of Jesus. Faithful disciples will make disciples. But what does that look like? Well, the first word of the verse 19, go. That's an appropriate word. You can't spell gospel before you spell the word go. Notice here that Jesus doesn't say to the world, come to the church. He is bidding the church to go to the world. We are to be a going church to a coming Christ. We can't stand still. We can't warm the pews. No, we must go and make disciples. We have a direct order and command by Jesus Christ. We must go. And as we go, that is when we make disciples in the process. And making disciples could be as, could be as small as your family and friends to as large as reaching the world. Let me read to you Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood, and you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and, a, and priest to our God, and thou shalt, they shall reign on the earth. You make disciples by going. Second, you make disciples by baptizing. Baptizing in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. This clearly is not a man-made tradition. So you cannot just reject that, that command. We cannot reject that claim, that command. Jesus commands that after making disciples, you, mark, you, you must mark disciples in the Holy God, Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, the call to be, a, to, the, the call to be baptized is, is probably the greatest civil disobedience we could have, that we can make. To be baptized, what we're saying is that we pledge our allegiance to the kingdom of God and no one and nothing else. In baptism, we identify ourselves with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that as, as many have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is no longer Jew nor Greek nor slave, nor free, nor male, or female. But all are one in Christ. Here, this call to be baptized reminds us a fresh mission for the church. We can't be stealing sheep from other churches, transferring members from other churches. No, we are called to go out and reach the lost. There's a hurting world out there. I would love that one day this, these pews in this, in this beautiful church are filled from the back to the front, from high to low. 
But we can't do that. That won't take place if we don't go out and make disciples. That means this has to be our heartbeat. This has to be, this has to be our greatest desire. The gospel has not died. The gospel is for all people. And the commission to go out and make disciples is to all Jesus' followers. And today, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then these words have to convict you, have to convict me. But this should be our focus for the year and beyond. Who are those people in your life? Who are those people in your life that you can think of right now who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not accepted him as Lord? Well, you might say, well, Father Aster, I've been a, I've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Well, you have a solid foundation. Invite, discuss, pray, befriend. There are people in your life that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is our job, our responsibility to reach them. This is not a call for a select few. No. This is our call to point Jesus to all men, women, and children who are lost. So that they may be found. A tour guide was walking a group of people into a historical church edifice. And after showing them the architecture and the historical records and noting all the, um, all the dignities who had come to this place for worship at some point, he asked if there were any questions after his presentation. And one woman in the back raised her hand and said, when is the last time someone was saved here? Ultimately, that is the only question that matters. You may build great cathedrals, large and small. You may build skyscrapers, grand and tall. You may conquer all the failures of your past. But only what you do for Christ will last. You may seek earthly fortune and fame. The world might be impressed by your great name. But soon the glories of this life will be passed away and only what you do for Christ will last. We make disciples by going. We make disciples by baptizing. But we also make disciples by teaching. Being a disciple is not an event. It's a process. Man-made teaching, therapeutic teaching, yeah, we might be able to fill up this church. The crowds might come, but that doesn't make disciples. Jesus, as I said, started the 12, ended with 11. I promise you, by God's grace, I, as your rector, will preach the Bible. I will preach the Bible. Biblical teaching is what my aim 
always is. To teach God's word, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And that's what Jesus says here. Go out and teach them all that I have commanded you. We can't be selective. We don't have any editorial authority over the script. And that's one of the great reasons why I love the Anglican Church as well. We have a lectionary and we follow each Sunday. We can't avoid the text. We preach it as it is written. We must teach the truth. All scripture is God breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Lastly, Jesus doesn't promise that he will be with us in this call. It's a fact. He says he is. I am with you till the end of the age. At the end, we get that word, that promising and powerful word, that he is with us. We don't go out to do this by ourselves. No. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Teach them. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. We are to teach them all that he commanded, and he will always be with us. In the same way that the Gospel of Matthew started, when Jesus said, when the angel said to the virgin Mary, and you will call him Emmanuel, but they will call him Emmanuel, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus here ends, book ends the Gospel of Matthew by saying, I am with you. I close the Bible. We know the words. The question now is only one thing that remains for you and for me. Will we go out and make disciples? Do we have a strong conviction that Jesus has all authority? What does that mean for us? How important is that for us? Because I want the church here at St. David's to grow. To grow in depth. Success for us is faithfulness. We don't know the future, but obedience precedes understanding. I believe we can. I believe we will if we have the faith of the size of a mustard seed. Do you believe, my dear friends, do you believe, my brothers and sisters, that we can reach the lost? of this great news of Jesus Christ to turn the world upside down. I believe. And I'm going to do everything in my power, so help me God, to reach that goal till I take my very last breath in this life. What about you, my friends? Let us go. Those words are echoing throughout the, ch throughout the halls of history for us this morning. I have charged you because Jesus has charged me. Jesus has charged us. Let us go, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, classmates, whoever they are. Let us pray. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come and use me this morning, this time. I don't know the words, but put those words in my mouth. Send me, Lord. Use me. Give me the ears to hear. I want to befriend. Put me in places of divine appointment so I can reach the lost. 
I love these people. They don't know you. Lord, use me so I can be a bridge between you and them, Lord. Yes, every man, woman, and child, regardless of age or condition, status or fortune, they need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are the ambassadors of that great news. Whoo! Let us go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Our mission is singular. Our command is singular. That's what it is. Be strengthened by God's word today. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. No one else. He is Lord. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you are called. Believe it. Believe it. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would inspire us, O oh Lord, to move us from our comfort, Lord, to speak and move from in and through us, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, right now that the people that we think of, that you would begin the work that needs to be done, that your word is for all people. Use us, O oh Lord. May we have a strong conviction to be obedient to today's lesson. In your name we pray. Amen.